0: You're listening to the Collab Talk Podcast, episode 252 of the MVP BuzzChat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Azure MVP Aiden Finn. Hey everybody, this is Christian Buckley doing another MVP Buzz Chat. And I'm talking today with Aiden. Hello. Hi there, how are you? I'm doing well. And for folks that don't know you, you've been a long time in this space. Um, but for folks that don't know you, who are you, where are you, and what do you do?
1: Uh, well, I'm Aiden Finn, and I'm a 16-year MVP. I am in North Kildare in Ireland. Um, so if you look over to Europe, uh, the westernmost little teeny tiny island is Ireland, and I'm on the East Coast, about a half, depending on traffic, between half an hour and an hour and a half from Dublin. And what do I do? I am a principal consultant uh, for a Nordic consulting company, so I work remotely. It's nice working in the cloud. And I'm here in my office at home. And I'm a Azure consultant, so I work primarily with customers mid to large private sector governments who are going through usually messy migrations. I get the messy ones.
0: That's, uh, I've spent a lot of my, again, I came from the SharePoint side and early on, I spent a lot of time with clients that had messy migrations and helping fix that. In fact, I think that's an ongoing, anybody who works in the SharePoint space, there continues to be a, uh, a lot of opportunity in helping <laughs> clients clean up
1: yeah I, I get a lot of that so for example uh, I see all this chatter about Azure migrate I never get to use Azure migrate um, because the situations are usually beyond the capabilities of any of the migration tools out there. it's usually very manual rebuild processes yeah also well, uh, a lot of labor
0: well that's what we, we used to we came up with phrasing this is like 10, 11 years ago of full fidelity migration. I'm sure the, 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 the concept is saying like what customers to say, I want to take exactly what I have here in this environment and move it over to the new environment. Exactly. Like that. It's like, yeah, it doesn't quite work like that. Uh, yeah, it's I-
1: nothing like that for me. Yeah. um because i'm usually i usually get the customer where we can't touch the original equipment because it's in some shared hosting platform um with multiple tenants sharing the same physical hosts or there's outdated operating systems that aren't supported in azure um or the customer's made you know a, a, a fair decision to dump vms and go to platform um, so we're usually looking at replatforming, rearchitecture, rebuilding OSs, dealing with ISVs gets get you know, old versions of software replaced with new versions of software, or figuring out how do we get something that used to run on 2008 to run on you know, 2019 or 2022, yeah. um, or you know, will it even support PaaS at all? Um, so yeah, usually lots of interesting conversations.
0: Well, my, my, again, my, my entrance into the Microsoft ecosystem right at the beginning was uh, doing, uh, um, you know, IBM uh, uh, migrations, migrations over to uh, SharePoint and Exchange. Um, so, again, it was just, there was no migration. That was the, the secret. It was, you're going in and recreating. Oh, from Domino companies.
1: to Microsoft.
0: All of that. You know, Domino on the back were... end.
1: You were the most popular person with users and least popular person in IT.
0: Lotus, Lotus Notes. No, no, actually, I mean, users, the IT, they were, it was the opposite. The IT yeah. generally were supportive, like, help us. And it was the users that weren't happy with the experience. I mean, Lotus um, Notes, part of the problem with it is that you had all these, uh, you know, user-created database small applications, which is kind of like power platform, you know? And yeah. So they were just tied to that. And there was no mapping of those things over to the new solution. So it was usually from the top down saying, we're gonna move off of this, away from this we want. So we're gonna to have to re-architect all these different solutions, help us to, to do that. And end users were fighting it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, you think about it, we're really uh, doing CCOE. Cloud center of excellence. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah before the, co- the term was coined.
0: Right. Well, it's 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 interesting. It's a, a, again, I, I look at this thing. I, I started my career in doing data center consolidation. So it's all kind of the same thing. I mean, my, mm-hmm. I did massive projects where we were upgrading the hardware. We were rolling out little software packages like business objects, uh, you know, doing, doing training of users, um, constantly upgrading. The, uh, the, the capabilities of these, these systems for these I worked for the phone company. And so these were some of the, the, the largest consumer marketing databases and systems um, mm. to reach all of the, I worked in Northern California for those that remember Pacific bell um, you worked at Pac bell um, were massive projects. Um, but it was a great experience to go through and learn about change management and, uh, the the low tolerance that most organizations have for change. Uh, so it was a, it was a great learning experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, not many people have those war stories.
0: Yeah. It, it's uh well, when you've been doing it, I've been, so I've been doing this for 33 years. And so most of when people come in it's like, do you have an example of, of like this situation? I was like, oh, I've got a few stories for whatever situation you could throw me. So, so what? So I, we were talking before we started recording too. So I know for sixteen years, um, Azure wasn't around sixteen years ago. So what was kind of your path? What were when did you when you originally became an MVP? What was that process like?
1: Oh wow! Um, so way back when, probably two thousand three, two thousand four, um, I was working for a finance company. Um, so would, a German-owned finance company that had its headquarters in Dublin, and later went on to try. Take part in the takedown of the world economy, um, but uh, that's a different story. Speaking of war stories, um, and Microsoft uh, Ireland became aware that I was, you know, doing some bleeding edge stuff, and asked me to come in uh, to their offices and do some presentations, and. The technical account manager we had said, hey, have you heard of this thing called the MVP program? I said, no. He said, yeah, maybe I might nominate you for that You know, based on some of the presentation stuff you've done for us. And I said, okay, that's cool. And at the same time, I started you know, going online and using support forums and stuff like that. And there's one forum I used to go to. So those of us who have been around in the Windows world long enough might remember the name Mark Manassi. And Mark was, you know, a very well-known uh, author in the Windows space and a presenter at you know the big conferences, uh, particularly in the US, so the tech ads and stuff like that, and Win Connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got onto his forum, I got to know a bunch of the people on there, and a bunch of them were MVPs. And I was like, ooh, these people are really smart. Uh, this This MVP thing must be good. And I was submitted, I didn't get in because I really didn't have the content. Um, So some of your uh watchers may know that become an MVP, you really have to have a year of solid content, right. community contributions, That's right. uh, it's where a, you're you not know, making you any profit.
0: It's, it's an award for community contributions and they look at only the last year. I mean, you may have been on fire three years ago. Irrelevant, yeah. it's the last year.
1: Yeah, and that impacts your renewals. Um, So every year you have to continue to contribute to the community to stay in the program and and answer the relevant technologies for your expertise. Um, so I, I, I had that in the back of my head and a few years later, um, I started doing, um, some presenting. Uh, so I was asked by Microsoft to start up a user group for Windows server. Um, and I started, You know, doing a lot of presenting at that because I couldn't get other presenters and I started doing a bit of blogging and I started to try to raise my own profile when I went out on my own and I found myself doing a lot of system center configuration stuff. Uh, So system center configuration management and I got nominated Um, so two different people nominated me and I was accepted and it was funny because when i got the notification that i was accepted i'd stopped doing all the desktop management stuff Hmm. and i'd moved exclusively into server stuff particularly virtualization and i'd i'd made a decision that i wanted to find a technology that was emerging and wasn't yet established and the established virtualization platform out there was vmware Mm -hmm. so i was like i wanted something new so what did i jump on i jumped on hyper v Mm -hmm. And realistically, because of my system center background, Hyper-V was a natural fit at the time um, because I liked how it integrated with the system center uh, vision. And I was a real advocate for what system center was capable of doing at the time. So I jumped on Hyper-V and I was using it in a startup posting company. So I I was finding all the problems and I was trying to solve them. And I, know I was sharing what I was learning, and it was a small community, particularly in Europe, because mm-hmm. VMware had basically taken over America, because yep. um, America w- had jumped on virtualization before Europe had, um, and VMware was the only up, op- you know, the only player really. There was some other stuff, but VMware were the only player. But when virtualization took off in Europe, Microsoft had something. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't great. But it was good enough for a lot of us. And it, it got there by the time 2012 came around, mm-hmm. uh, particularly 2012 or two. Um, but I I started writing and blogging. And then I asked to be moved into the Hyper-V uh, expertise area based on my content. And I was accepted in. And that's a great group. and um, They're still there. They're not called Hyper-V anymore. Haven't been called Hyper-V in a long time. But they think of themselves as the Hyper-V people. Mm-hmm. um and th- there's related technologies that uh, that group um would have close contacts with um so for example arc um so azure arc uh, for the hybrid stuff and uh the file services and the failover clustering guys mm-hmm. um so all together kind of you make it a tight unit for the 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 on premise alternative or extension to azure today um so i was in there and i wrote books um, so I've done, f- I, I've been a part of five books, really one of those, I, I did the intro stuff and I handed it over to the other guys who knew the stuff better than me. Um, but I did two Hyper-V books and one of them, uh, which was the 2012 or two book. Um, we were really chuffed with that. And I think the best compliment we got was from one of the the senior PMs of Hyper-V said, you know, I get given all these Hyper-V books and I never look at any of them (laughs) because I, I can't just come out and say, I like this one, or I don't like that one or whatever. I can't be seen to do that. But I was bored one day and your book just happened sitting on the kitchen table and I opened up, it randomly landed on this networking chapter, which was like nearly a hundred pages long. And I read the hundred pages. I thought oh, I don't know that. That's really cool. I don't know that. Oh, that's really cool. And he and he said, I actually reached out to my one of my uh, junior PMs and said, buy a bunch of these books for all our new employees to come into the team. And yeah. that's what they did. And she actually left that comment on the review of the book on Amazon. That's awesome. And I was like,
0: well, you know, that's that's, that yeah, that's yeah. a
1: touchdown right there. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I was I was delighted with that. Um and then uh, my my work changed. My day job impacts what I do on my, con- uh, my, my community stuff. I'm one of these right. people. I have to be working with it to be able to talk about it. I can't just yeah. say, I'm going to submit a session and then I'll learn about it for the session. Right. Because I won't know the content and I won't be comfortable on the stage um, or in front of the camera. I, I or wish whatever more it is. people would
0: follow that practice. But yes. Yeah. Especially in the era I, of AI and co pilot, I wish people oh. would. Take that to heart.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of the things like, like I've put together a session on how to deliver better te- technical sessions. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the, the the things I try to say to people is in theory, anyone can be a presenter. If you talk about something you know about and you enjoy working with and you've you've learned the basics and you know a couple of really advanced things that you'd like to share or a couple of cool tricks, you can present that thing. Yeah. And, and uh, that's the approach I like to take is i like to know something, and then I present on it. And of course, my day job changed when Microsoft Ireland once again impacted my life, came into my uh, employer, and at the time I was working in distribution. So mm-hmm. it was, my job was, I was technical sales lead for a distributor here in Ireland, um, well, who sells to 70% of the partner market here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. They dominate the market. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft Ireland came in and said, right, we need Aiden to stop talking about Windows Server, Hyper-V, and System Center. Now, we need them to start talking about Azure. We need them to take the lead with the partners and get them to start doing Azure work. Yeah. And I say, like, oh, boy, I haven't even ever signed into Azure at this point. This is the first day of January after the, you know, the Christmas break. And I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be fun. Um, so after the meeting, I talked to my boss and I was like, right, I need an Azure subscription or something. I think that's what I need. Um, I think that's what it's called. And I need to sign in and start learning this thing. And that's what I did. I, I, I started building out. I just thought, what's the best thing to build here? Well, an RDP farm it seemed like the best thing to build. So I built all the bits, the domain controllers, the RDP servers, the gateway access servers, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. built it all up, got the thing working. And I was like, okay. I've learned some stuff here. I've learned some networking. Um, Never been the networking guy before. I knew what I needed, but on-prem, I was the server guy. And the systems management guy, I was never a networking guy, but I've had to build the networking myself because it's a self-service environment. That was kind of cool. And it's like I learned and I learned and I learned. And I focused on, the at that time in that job, I focused on the small, medium business market. You know, the technologies that I thought would Would adopt straight away, so I focused on the hybrid stuff like backup and site recovery, which turned out they weren't interested in uh, site recovery backup, they loved. Uh, And then I, I, you know, always had VMs and the infrastructure stuff, you know, taking point solutions, moving them to the cloud, Mm -hmm. um, and looking at RDS and stuff like that. And that's what I kind of built upon, and then. Five years ago last week, I changed jobs. I moved from that Irish company to a Nordic. Um, so for people who don't know Nordic, it is Finland, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Um, so the company I work for is headquartered out of Finland, um, but I work for the Norwegian branch. And I travel there once, maybe twice a year. It was once last year. Um, all my work is on Teams and Visual Studio Code and the Azure portal. And I work from here in Ireland. um, And uh, it's basically I work with mid to large customers, government customers um, doing, as I said earlier, usually the messy migrations. And I've become kind of the networking guy. Um, So a lot of my, my community stuff lately has been networking. So Azure Networking
0: that's what I was gonna ask. It's like, what are you what are you writing about, talking about right now?
1: Um Azure Networking is kind of because I do a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um when you're doing migrations, a lot of your effort tends to be around IaaS. So there's a lot of VMs. Mm -hmm. Um but I I I also have customers who basically I had one government customer who said we're banning IaaS, (laughs) which I always laugh at. Because they always end up needing VMs even to support their PaaS stuff, mm-hmm. um, and the last customer I spent a year and a half working with um, were primarily going PaaS, but they wanted everything secure. And then usually our sales pitch is coming in doing governance and security, and security means taking things off the, the public front end and putting onto a network, and um, so it's sitting behind you know whether it's a network firewall or a web application firewall. Mm-hmm. and making those databases and those app services and all those other things you know private and only sharing what you need to share to the public and making sure everything's inspected and logged and you know governed and cost managed and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, so networking is a big part of that um, and that's taking up a lot of my time. And that's what I've been writing about a lot lately. It's a lot of the presentations I do at conferences or user groups tend to be around networking, but I'm also trying to branch out beyond that. Um, so work lately, I've you know been spending some time looking at uh, Azure Open AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to find, especially trying to find the free time to be able to look at that stuff. Yeah, I've got um, a good
0: friend that's been pushing me to look into that stuff too. And uh, look, I don't have the uh, I don't have the uh, the background as you. Know, I'm I'm a essentially I'm a marketing guy. I've been in products, yeah. you know, most most of my career, uh, the second half of my career. Um, But uh, it's funny talking with a buddy who's you know, huge in Azure and and the AI and has a startup that's an AI startup doing a lot of interesting things and. Starting to tell him about you know what I'd like to do with Copilot. pilots like Christian, you don't need copilot for the stuff you're talking about. You know, the Azure AI stuff, you can go in and build this. Like you can yeah. you can go in and you just need to go explore. Just take half a day, go in, poke around. You will have something built by the afternoon. Uh and and, and so it's just you know, finding half a day to go explore that's that's what i don't have
1: i think it's a little more than a half day really um but yeah, yeah um like you'll spend countless hours just reading and then it's you know experimenting and finding where well, that doesn't work the way i thought it was going to and yeah. um playing around with it is you know a, and experimenting and learning from failure is a big thing mm-hmm. um and you know reinvention you know, you've, you've you've kind of alluded to it yourself in your own career. Reinvention is part of an IT career if you're going to be around a while. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say I've, I've reinvented my career at least three times so far. Um, you know, I started off as a developer on Unix. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my education. Now college, I was a C and a C plus plus developer. That had also done some Cobol and Pascal, <laughs> um, but I was primarily a C developer. Um, and I landed in a job working for an American corporation. It was Japanese owned, (laughs) isn't corporate stuff funny, um, you know, doing C on Unix and then my project died and accidentally I fell into the windows world because I'd gone on some basic windows training to port our code to windows Mm -hmm. and was a product consultant for years, found myself unemployable, um, and realized well, i'm in windows world i need to get myself employable i became an mcse um, and those of us old enough remember what that used to mean uh, that was that was the rubber stamp on your resume saying you are worth a decent amount of money yeah. um so i had that and was working in a really interesting finance company i mentioned earlier um building out and migrating all the global offices and um, to the latest of everything Mm -hmm. And I was leading the charge on that. And that was fun. Um, And then I went through that virtualization transition. And so I switched over from being, you know, this general windows guy to, all right, I'm moving into this virtualization space and the systems management space, become a community member and a presenter and a trainer and stuff like that. And then, you know, i had that fateful morning meeting with microsoft ireland where i was told i needed to start working with azure yeah so all the on-prem stuff was like all the azure stuff that i used to talk down and say you can't do that the americans are spying on us (laughs) suddenly no they're not spying on us it's fine
0: (laughs) it's mostly true yes Uh, but what you don't know does won't hurt you, you know? yeah so, well, so one last question for you because I, I, I always like on the community uh, side of things like so how are your community activities what's what's happened in the community over in in Ireland like your local community? Oh,
1: uh local, it's not great for us. Um, um so there's not a whole lot that goes on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of my contributions are either online or international. um so I've bunch of things out there for this year um waiting to hear back you know how that is there's always a batch of sessionized things that you do at the end of the year and it's like (laughs) yeah and
0: and, and most of them the 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 organizers never respond to it and then you realize oh, that event just went by and they go back it's like i never got rejected no they're just still sitting there
1: yeah yeah you you, you've you'll find a, a bunch of that and and a bunch of different online things pop up every now and then Um, So, I have one that I've been asked um, if I'll do, um, and it's actually from a local organization. So, um, I do a few of those. There's a cool group out of the UK and Ireland, uh, MVPs, who do this uh, festive uh, tech calendar thing. Hmm. And so, over the holiday period, um, they basically build up a catalog of content so it's like having an advent calendar and oh. you come in you open up their page and they have a bunch of links to different things it could be live sessions it could it literally varies from poetry to hmm. <laughs> live sessions blog posts video recordings you name it excuse me <coughs> oh, talking too long Um. so lots and lots of stuff so i did that um I have a bunch of different things out there as well for this year and um, that I'm hoping to hear back on some of them, you know, even in the second half of the year. Yeah. Uh, so one of them is actually in America. Um, so it's the first time I felt comfortable in a few years going that far um, to do community stuff. Cause I have a young family. Yeah. So, uh, are you coming wife.
0: over for summit?
1: I am. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so I was there last year. Uh, and as you know, last year was crazy because it was all short minimize, notice.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Minimize and everyone was scattered everywhere. And um,
0: you know, with all that, I still uh, tell people I mean, I always tell, especially new MVPs coming on, I said, I, I think it is the number one perk of being an MVP is participation in that because, uh, you know, there are, uh, you know, friendships and connections that you'll make that are yeah. invaluable to your career.
1: Yeah, absolutely, um,
0: and, and and so just it's it's not even about what the sessions are, what they're presenting. It's about the interaction. I love hearing the questions. Like, I didn't even think to ask that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, to the product teams. And like, wow, what's that scenario? Who is that person? Like, go have those conversations as well as with the product team.
1: Yeah, so- I've 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 observed that. I've, I've also observed the one where someone goes, "Why doesn't this work?" And then someone over that side of the room goes. Actually I figured I had to make that work. Let's chat. Yeah. Yep. Um and then there's the like you said, there's the the friendships you strike up with people from completely other parts of the world. Yeah. That if you met them in a hallway, you would never have a conversation with them. Yeah. And you realize that you've common interests you know in work and then you find out oh we actually kind of get along or we have common interests yeah. outside of work or whatever it is um like some of those people over the years like I've had them at my wedding um and you know there's some people there's a guy who lives 20 minutes from here I only ever see him at events we usually meet up at the airport yeah we end up traveling there hanging out there coming back again our lives here are totally different I,
0: I lived in Seattle for 12 years and uh same thing I would see people I would only see local people I said like, you know I wife and kids in a life you know in a yeah. small town away from Redmond and uh and, but I would see them at events on the other part of the planet and be like oh hey and they live yeah. one town over yeah
1: yeah, it's funny um, how it is like that. Um, and it's another benefit as well of being at the MVP summit is getting to know the program managers who are mm-hmm. people who take the feedback to the architects to build the products that we're using yep. and getting to know these people outside of the sessions yeah. and having those contacts um, because it's interesting when they realize that you have valuable feedback. And you can give it to them in a way that they can use um, because they have a very specific way of thinking and talking.
0: Well, and and that's a, that's a great point because it's, it's also important to understand, for us to better understand what are the priorities of, of why they're structuring their go-to-market, their roadmap um because they're usually you know mvps go to these things and we have like my list of things i want to like why are you not working on this why are you not solving this or i'm experiencing this issue that's been out there it's been on the roadmap for two years what's going on with this and they'll tell you their priorities and their perspective it just again that's the work it it helps you put those things in perspective
1: Yeah, people don't realize that there's a, a limited amount of capacity that they have and that was made clear to me. So back when I was a Hyper-V MVP, um, the storage and clustering guys used to invite a small number of us um, to a product planning session with them. Mm-hmm. So we would spend the day with them and we would put down our wish list, big giant whiteboard that wrapped around the room and our wish list would go up there. Mm-hmm. And then they say to, and it was probably depending on the year between eight and 15 of us in the room, and then they would go around to us and say, "Right, you each get to pick one thing from that list. That huge list that wraps around the room. This is the reality of our lives. We have a semester that we can develop in, mm-hmm. and we have to release code in. And we only have so many architects and so many developers.
0: And there's a so coordination, means... cross product coordination. There's, I mean, there's yep. so much. I mean, that's one. That's another thing. I mean, Microsoft is known for." You, know, you look at the competitive space. I mean, they've they've really been committed to over Microsoft's life of backwards compatibility, of integration, cross solutions, and uh, so again, there's a, It's not just a matter of why can't you go build that one little feature. Yeah. And look, I, and I, I'm happy to harp on those things too of the things that I want to see done. Um, but again, it gives you that perspective.
1: And it's not easy. Like, for those of us in the Azure space, particularly working on networking, one of the things we keep going back to them with, and I always laugh, I tell them, you know what's coming from me. I'm going to ask you about seeing uh, all the effective routes at the subnet level, because I can only see them on the VM, Nick. And that's useless when I'm troubleshooting PaaS resources. And they always go, we know, we know, we know. You do realize it's it's not that easy, and I, I I say to them, yeah, I I know I know the problems, I know the complexities, because I have a little teeny bit of understanding about what's happening you know behind the curtain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, how this thing works you know under the platform, and I can understand that we'd be crossing boundaries to make that work, mm-hmm. boundaries we shouldn't be crossing as tenants in a, a multi-tenant cloud, um, but we got to figure something out. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> everyone's hurting uh and you know I, I i'm i'm able to accept that they can't just throw that out for us um and but you've seen it yourself you it's amazing when you say you know i have this idea and i think that it would make this better mm-hmm. and then three months six months 12 months whatever it is later you see your feature.
0: yeah oh yeah
1: you know having that moment where you just go that's m- mine <laughs> I remember when release released the
0: window. I'm just always happy. And one of um, the features everyone
1: talked about, and it was mine.
0: <laughs> I, I'm. It's. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to. Um, and I get this all the time with where you see something or it's explained from Microsoft Outwards, like, "Hey, that I could see how that resolves a scenario or something with the customer." But uh, you know, I get just as much satisfaction t- taking the other direction, working with the Microsoft people. Say, "Let me tell you this customer scenario," and like, "Oh, I didn't." You know, they're having that eye opening. I didn't think of that. I didn't see that before. That's one of those things where I mean I'm constantly tell customers, partners, especially MVPs, you can't be quiet about sharing that information. You can't just assume that three or four other MVPs have shared that idea with them. Like get make sure you report that feedback back. And they take that stuff into account. And certainly when there's a groundswell around a feature, I yes. around that.
1: It has to be weight. They take it has to be weight. Action. It can't just right. be interesting. Right. Um, because it, interesting means it ends up low on the stack rank. Right. Because as you said earlier, they have a, a list like this long of things that people have asked for. And they'll say, yeah, there are things we sh- that are valuable and should be on the list, but they can only work on those top few things. Right. And if you want to move your thing up the list, it has to be a groundswell of feedback for it. Now that doesn't always work because sometimes it contradicts, you know, either that group's plans or Architecture, even another I mean, group's plans. Yeah,
0: there's, yeah, there, there was, there was a. a I, I talk about this once in a while. This is funny uh, in business school, we uh, learned about. Again, it was like a product management uh, focused course where we learned about something called the house of quality. And it's like, it, it's a template. It's, it was created like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever, uh, maybe, maybe even earlier than that. But it was just a way of looking at, you've got your list of the features and you can prioritize them however you want. Um, then there's the effort it takes to go and do the complexity of that. Then there's the you know, customer demands, money, dollars behind it, all those things. But when you overlay all of those different pieces, your priorities are often not what you thought there mm-hmm. are things which have uh, a seemingly lower rate of return yet quick turnaround with zero to low cost to do get those things out. It moves things forward. Other things, which just, you know, take, take longer. Anyway, looking at that, it's it just, again, I keep using the word perspective. I feel like Kamala Harris, like keeping reusing the same word over and over again but uh you know uh you know again having that perspective of here's what uh here's what goes into the decisions that are being being made having those conversations um i think going back to the summit that's where i feel the most not that i don't feel heard elsewhere in other you know things like we just had our uh, uh we had a call yesterday with the mvps and the m365 category and everybody had a chance to ask questions there were those empty moments where no one was raising their hand no one was speaking up kind of thing so everybody had an opportunity um but i feel so much more heard at those sessions where you literally after a session's going on follow the product team out into the hall where you have another side conversation you're sharing contact information yeah like, let's schedule a call. Let's go through this in detail. I mean, again, that, that kind of stuff. It's not that it doesn't happen when we're all remote. It just, when you can put a face with the name, it moves faster. It just does.
1: Absolutely. It does. Um, And you'll find certainly, at least I have anyway, um, if you're able to give them interesting information, they want to come back to you and it could be even a year down the road where they have something they want to talk about mm-hmm. and they want feedback on it. And they will reach out to you and go, hey, um, we've got something interesting that we're, we're thinking about doing. and We'd like your opinion on it. I've had a few of those calls over the years, which is kind of cool. And it's also interesting as well from your, I bet you've probably had this experience, right? You're having a technical challenge and you're getting nowhere with support. You just reach out to the what? relevant that person. That never say, happens. Whoa. <laughs> I, I happen to know the person who owns that feature. I'll just reach out to them to see if they can, you know, shake well, the tree a little for me. Let me tell
0: you what I miss. So for a few years, um, I had an office on campus. So I worked for this ISV. Oh, yeah. And it was part of, it was a purple badge. And so there was the Microsoft technology that, what was it? It was the, I can't remember the name of the building now. Um, I think it was building Twenty Six. Anyway, so right on main campus, over in the corner, um, we were in the same one that the uh, green badge, the, uh, the MSNBC folks that were in that helped support that, whatever, anyway, I had an office that I shared with another ISV vendor on there, but that purple badge, so I could, if I had a question for the product team, I could literally go and look at the product team person that I've been trying to track down. Oh, they're in a meeting in this building. And I could go sit outside that meeting and wait for them to exit, and walk with them to their next meeting and have a conversation. Now, there's a reason of that that kind of stalking and yeah. uh, that kind of like I get why Microsoft shut all that down. It was fantastic while it lasted.
1: Yeah, but um, so it's great for that. Um, one of the things I like to do as well now. Um, I did it last year, and I'll I'll be doing it again this year. Is reach out to some of the PMs in advance and say you know what i'm going to be around i know there are sessions on for the 3 days or whatever but i'll make myself available if you're interested in having a, a chat
0: yeah
1: um because the chat that i have with you will be more interesting than the session yep. and reality is my colleague um who's the same expertise as me is probably going to be sitting in that session he'll tell me if there's anything interesting i should know about anyway um a lot of Microsoft, the product team people, they make themselves available
0: during the week for exactly those kinds. Yeah, of they
1: travel for us. None of them right. live in Redmond anymore, no, not or anywhere anymore. near Redmond. Yeah, yeah,
0: yep, agreed. Yeah, it's changed a lot, but well, but so, they travel
1: but, there for us.
0: I, I know it, it's, a, and a lot of them, unfortunately, it's sad. There's a lot of uh, faces that were of all those events, but when pandemic and when they the rules changed, they were allowed to move away. I mean, two of my best friends in the space that work for Microsoft are both down in Arizona now. And both of them say, it's like, yeah, I don't have the budget. I'm I'm not on the list that's being flown back up. Like, So it's yeah. sad you don't see all the faces. But, of course, they're happier living in a,
1: yeah. in, in a different it place. It doesn't rain 300, 300 days a year.
0: I don't mind that so much. <laughs> so I, I fit in. I miss that. But my wife does, does not miss that. So but well aiden really appreciate your time and great great connecting and maybe doubtful we'll see each other at the mvp summit i think we're running in different circles there but yeah you never know
1: yeah there's always some of the social stuff that's happening yeah well, um, we'll there's a lot what... of paths that cross there
0: yep well thanks so much for your time and uh for folks that want to reach out to you where where are you the most social where can people find you
1: um, so on Twitter, I'm at Joe underscore Elway. And yes, that is uh, football related. Um, so go Niners. Um, well, born
0: and raised a San Francisco 49er fan. I, I, we're, we're probably moving to Texas in the next year. And I told oh. some friends from Texas, I'm like, you know, I can't ever like the Cowboys.
1: I am hey, I'm, I'm built Niner, to hate Niners Cowboys. Cowboys. We're designed to beat them in the playoffs every year. Bang, bang, Niner gang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah at Joe underscore Elway on Twitter um, I'm on LinkedIn as well so you search for Aiden Finn so it's A-I-D-A-N-F-I-N-N you'll find me on LinkedIn and of course I blog on Um so I'm not that hard to find.
0: Excellent well we'll have all the links of course out on the blog the podcast and out on the on YouTube as well where the video will be so well thanks so much for your time Aiden.
1: no problem Good job.